Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm good, thank you. Oh, what a week. I know. I know. I, I feel like um, we've gone, I don't know, into the past. What is going on? Mm, it does feel like we're living in a bygone era. I am... Um, do you know, I was, um, like, we just randomly picked up a couple of weeks ago mm. and Frank's diary and my youngest was, she's never read it before. So I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, read this. Like, it's really interesting. And, um, and I was thinking, gosh, like somebody could literally be writing their own version of that. 100%. Right 100%. 2022. And it's like, surely, so I'm not going to lie. I am completely baffled. I don't really understand what's going on. And it's mm. like, okay, so this could be like another war. I'm like, what? I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of information. It's kind of like too much information. Everyone's talking about it. Yes. And I feel like I really should know a lot more than I do know. But then Same. when I try to learn, then there's just so much. And then I'm like, mm, shut down because yes. I can't take it in. <laughs> literally and mr fonty pants is a bit of a historian he um mm. knows quite a lot and he watches the news quite a lot that's my problem yeah. i don't really watch the news because i don't really trust the news yeah. but that's another story um yeah. but he's been explaining things and every time i ask a question that just branches off to even more stuff exactly. because you can't just answer answer the question because there's so mm. many other things that have affected this and then this yeah. and then this yeah, yeah. um so yeah but um for our listeners we're gonna um our catch-up is gonna be quite short because we have actually got a special guest um Tatiana Denford um she is an author a Ukrainian American author translator and freelance writer and she grew up with her Ukrainian heritage at the forefront of her childhood and it led to her being fascinated with how storytellers in various cultures pass down their lives to future generations. Um, she's going to be joining us. Sorry, she's going to be joining us in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a her first book, Motherland, was published in March of 2020, mm-hmm. and it was based on an incredible family secret that was revealed by her maternal grandmother. And it's um, people describe it as a haunting, powerful, and devastating, and a fragile and hope hopeful story of an immigrant family. So we've asked her to come on the show. Um, she has graciously accepted, which is brilliant because hopefully she can share some light um, for folk like me who just don't really have an understanding of what's going on, really. Mm. And also, if she does sound vaguely familiar to those of you who've been following us for a while, that's because we had her on our previous iteration um, of a podcast, Come Wine With Me, and we talked about her book then. Um, But we're going to focus this conversation, obviously, in a slightly different way because of the current situation. Hi, 
loving this look, by the way. Thanks. Yes. This whole, the whole thing. Wow. I'm, I'm representing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Thanks. Oh, well, I was going to say, how are you? Um, wow. Yeah. What can you say? It, we, we, well, I've just um, explained to our audience um, who you are, um, your book, etc. So if you can, you probably explain yourself a lot better than me. Um, just give our audience a bit of an insight into who you are. Well, um, I am a first-generation immigrant, um, Ukrainian immigrant, um, and I was born in New York City, and um, I basically kind of, I, I didn't speak English until I was about seven, and, um, you know, I grew up in what they call Ukrainsky Osredok, which is like the 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 heart of the Ukrainian community. And there's a big one in, in um, New York, as well as Canada, Chicago, you know, um, uh, all these places. But, um, and I started kind of writing when I was about 10. And I didn't, I've, I've been kind of writing off and on, but I think um, I really kind of seriously started writing when I, and was a lot older and realized that, you know, I'm an only child and I want to write down stories of my heritage and of, you know, maybe other people's stories of their own families and stuff. Because I, I always find it fascinating that we, gr we grow up with living history um, by having grandparents around us and we never really ask them questions. And then suddenly they're not around anymore. And we're like, oh, they were real people with lots of baggage and, mm. you know, so, um, yeah, I kind of took the opportunity and then it kind of flew from there. When did um, Ukrainians settle in New York? It was probably the, the biggest wave was in right after World War Two. OK. Um, and they, you know, and they had some people had already moved over somehow, but um they, you know, the, the way the, the way immigrants came over was a lot of the times they had to have a sponsor. So you had to know ah. somebody that could say, right, I vouch for them and whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there was a, a massive, like on, you could see the records on Ellis Island. I mean, there were so, so many, I mean, lots of different immigrants, obviously, but yeah. Ukrainians basically set up shop um, in the East village and really created lives for themselves and businesses. And they lived in tenement houses and, um, they just tried to kind of find a way to escape the, the country that was on fire at the time. They had nowhere to go. And um, America was the land of opportunity. Okay, they weren't treated very nicely, but then we all know the stories about how people, always the story, how yeah. people, <laughs> how people feel about immigrants. Um, mm. you know, but they try their best yeah i guess we're going to be talking about the the literal well, the current situation very shortly yeah in a bit more detail um and obviously it's like a horrible time for you and all of your fellow ukrainians wherever they are in the world and and um i mean you've shared loads about your family both in your book uh, on social media you've you talked a lot about the process of writing motherland and and you've shown us like really beautiful moments with your grandmother 
And um, recently, a few days ago, you shared a video on Instagram of you talking to your dad and he was retelling um, a story that happened when he was younger and, and just explaining the whole situation around Ukrainians being given as well, be basically being called neo-Nazis and, yeah. and why that that was so inaccurate. Yeah. So can you just tell us a little bit more about what that story that he told was about and why it was so important for you to share that? Sure. Um, when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, um, I cannot believe I'm actually saying those words. It's 2022. Sorry, I still cannot wrap my mind around that. Anyway, mm. when Russia invaded Ukraine, um, uh, Putin said... Uh, something really interesting. And he said, we are uh, carrying out a mission to denazify Ukraine. Wow. Wow. And I, when I saw that on the news, I started shouting at the television because I was like, these are lies. These are lies. But the mm. problem is the media machine nowadays, we can get news at an instant you know, which is great, but also not so great, depending on, like, you can find something that fits your narrative, okay? Mm -hmm. So when he said that, the thing that made me really upset about that is that there are going to be people out there, and then and there are people out there that are convinced that Ukrainians are Nazis because they were helping Germany during World War II. So I wanted to clarify that because I am offended you of know, course. by that kind of statement, because so I asked, I asked my dad and, um, and uh, Tato, I knew that Tato, you know, could articulate it better than I could, um, because he lived it. Um, and I knew I had to get on film and he got really kind of visibly upset about it. But um, he wanted to explain that when uh, Russians were trying to take over Ukraine. And there was like a consistent, you know, thing of arresting people who were daring to protest against the government, who were politically active. They were killing people. They were, you know, dragging them out of their homes. They were sending them to the gulag in Siberia. And um, he said uh, that he asked his grandmother, you know, why are they calling us Nazis? And he was a kid. And, and she said, well, you know, what happened was when Ukraine saw uh, during World War II, when Ukraine saw that they were going to be decimated by Russia and that Germans were actually fighting a fight against Russia, um, Ukrainians saw Germans as a way out. So yeah. the thing is, we are not a political people. And I know it seems that way because of what's happening in the news, but we are survivors. We're, mm -hmm. hu we're human beings that will do whatever it takes to get ourselves out of danger and protect our families. So when his, um, when his grandmother uh, saw a, a group of German soldiers um, on her doorstep and they said, you know, ma'am, I would like, I was wondering if we could just stay because we have nowhere to stay right now or sleep. And, and she was like, well, you know, I can feed you and I can house you, but you need to put your guns outside because we are mm -hmm. not a people that is interested in 
like any violence. We just want to make sure that, you know, there's harmony. And I know that yeah. sounds very airy fairy, but that's just who we are. The thing is, is that we have so much richness that we wanted to protect it from the Russians because Russia really outnumbers us. Yeah. Well, you know, Russia's and, huge in comparison. Yeah, it's, mm. you know, and it's, it's been so unfair, this constant emotional uh, cycle of abuse and them saying, well, you know, if you, if you act like this, we're going to take your gas away and we're going to, you know, mm. just put the choke cold on a little bit. And I think we're just tired mm. of it. And then my, my dad was like, you don't need to layer on the whole, we're Nazis now on top of that, because we were literally, yeah. we were literally just needing any kind of help. And the Germans yeah. were right there and they were very well equipped to deal with the Russians. So Ukraine's like, great, somebody, somebody that can kind of help handle this, you know? Yeah, so yeah. the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Exactly. Kind of yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. So. It's like, everyone is just doing what they can to survive. But as you said, this airy fairy kind of whimsical way of thinking, I'm very much like that. And it's just like, well, this is what I don't really understand. It's like, can't everyone just get along and be nice to each other and just let everyone just get on with their business and the whole world would be like amazing. We could well, all be happy yeah. and all get along. <laughs> wouldn't, mm -hmm. wouldn't that be nice? But I think the thing with, <laughs> the thing with Ukrainians is that we are also, we're not very, we're very proud of who we are and our heritage and our history, but we're not very vocal and pushy about it. If you notice, right. Okay. We, we have mm. dealt, we have dealt with our own Holocaust. We have dealt with our own genocide. Millions of us were starved to death on purpose. Mm. But mm. if we talk about the Holocaust, there is the Holocaust, which is also yeah. a terrible tragedy. But I wish sometimes mm. Ukrainians would go, hang on. Can mm. we also, can we also talk about how vile this guy was, you know, mm. just because, but we, we tend to kind of, we're a bit humble, maybe to the detriment of ourselves. So we yeah. go, listen, you know what? That's okay ask us and we'll tell you, but otherwise we're just mm, going to get right. on with our lives and our day. And, right. you know, however, you've seen recently the lovely narrative that's coming up is like, we can be pushed so far, but you know hmm. what? Don't mess with us. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. we're scrappy. We're scrappy. <laughs> and it is incredible to see, because I've seen, obviously there's bits in the news and um, the whole thing of women and children that are allowed to go and the men are staying back. And it's just like, again, the concept is, again, you can just have a normal job and be in marketing or whatever. And then all of a sudden you are told to make bombs and try mm. and fight for your country. This is what I can't get my head around because uh, how do you just all of a sudden be like, okay, so I now have to protect my country and fight when that's not in you. But I guess, you know what? I guess I, they realize that it is. I don't like guns and I've been very vocal about this. I don't like, I'm a, you know, I'm a peacemaker. Like I don't, I don't like this unnecessary conflict. I I've never touched a gun and I would never touch a gun, but I'll tell you what, if I lived there, I would arm myself to the teeth. Like yeah. I, and all of us, we want to protect our art, our literature, our, mm -hmm. you know, we have so much rich history and we are so proud of it that honestly, we will fight dirty if we have to. 
you know, it, it, mm. and it, and it's been coming to that. There, <laughs> I'm so proud of who we are as a people when we kind of, when we use whatever we have to hand to fight. So there are grandmothers making Molotov cocktails. There are literally on the radio in Ukraine, there are engineers going, here's how to make the best one and here's how to throw wow. it. Um, wow. There are, Ukrainians are taking down all big road signs to confuse Russian tanks. <sighs> and they're literally putting up signs going, good luck. Wow. <laughs> There's, they're being, Russian, Russian tanks are being ambushed in playgrounds. You know, like there are civilians firing, um, like, like they have, they got a hold of rocket launchers. <laughs> they are, I mean, it's, you know, I think the, the thing that I would love for people to understand, not just about us, but also about other maybe underdeveloped countries that people assume are a certain way, do not mm -hmm. under, underestimate mm -hmm. the power of like an organized and proud people. We're kind of talking more and more about this situation now um, in this conversation. And every week, Sarita and I do a section called What in the World? So we're just going to merge your interview with our What in the World? And, and we're looking for you to be our, our Ukrainian expert. You are. And uh, you know what? It's so funny because, well, it's not actually funny at all, but obviously you've been very, very vocal about the fact that you are Ukrainian. You've talked about that since... I've known you, yeah. Um, but I haven't necessarily known very many other Ukrainian people. I haven't thought that I've known very many other Ukrainian people, but now more and more are claiming their heritage and just speaking up about how proud they are to be Ukrainian. And I'm realizing there are a lot of you out there, um, but out of all of these people that we know, you are the one that we've come to, to just shed some light on this situation for us and for our listeners who just may not understand. We're hearing everything that's being thrown at us, but what is the reason that Putin has given for the invasion into the Ukraine? Like, What can you summarize his, if, if it's even possible, can you summarize his um... logic? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, I don't claim to be a kind of an expert when it comes to Ukrainian history, because like, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a writer and I'm trying to kind of get more art and literature and kind of human stories out there. But here's, mm. I think the, the best thing I can summarize is that, you know, Ukraine became independent. It's a sovereign state. It has been since 1994, I believe, but don't kind of quote me on that because um, I don't want to get my facts wrong. But mm -hmm. um, since 2014, there have been separate separatists um, operating on the east side of Ukraine. Now, the east side of Ukraine was more Russia-leaning and are supportive of Russia because Khrushchev, when he was in power, he gave Crimea to Ukraine as a gift. Now, it wasn't necessarily his to give, but there mm. you go. And um, <laughs> in 2014, there were a lot of separatist groups that are like, we recognize ourselves as Russian. And they wanted to get Crimea back. Um, and the problem is that Ukraine is like, hang on, hang on. Like, this is all, like, we just became independent kind of yeah. recently. Maybe just leave us alone. Leave it, you know, maybe create a referendum. Like, let's have a vote or whatever. But it doesn't really go like that because Putin 
his ideal is to regain control and make the USSR instead of having Russia separate. Because to him, Western ideology and being at the seat of NATO for him would be great. And he's slightly, probably not slightly, a lot offended that the West is like, dude, like you just got to stay in your lane. Nobody's interested. Yeah, you know? yeah. Russia, unfortunately. And there are a lot of Russians who have family in Ukraine who actually are supporting Ukraine and who don't want a yeah. war. So this is not mm. Ukrainians versus Russians mm. at all. Mm. Oh, oh. Yeah, it just and I've it, seen that. I've seen that. I recognize it because there are so many people, so many Russians who have been protesting and been arrested and are saying, look, it's not our fight. But yeah. um, again, in terms of social media and the press in Russia, it's all controlled. So, yeah, they a lot of people don't actually know what's going on. And no. I think the narrative that's been shared is Ukrainians want this. So we're just helping yep. them. Let's just help mm. them. Yeah. And, and like, also the. The narrative is that uh, Ukrainians are Nazis and they've been, you know, and Nazi sympathizers and they've been like keeping Russians under the thumb. You know, Russia, uh, Russians who are living in Ukraine are constantly like targeted. And there's this whole kind of false narrative. And I think it's unfair not only to Ukrainians, but to Russians, you know. Mm. So it's not an us versus them. It's basically all of us against an unnecessary war. And I think Putin, mm. you can put sanctions on him. You can, he just does not care. He will find a loophole. The, you know, mm. and, the, and the thing that I want to get across is that as, as much as I love all of these videos that are coming out, because luckily we all have phones now. So you see yeah. all of these dispatches from people going like, you know, Ukraine, yeah, like we're kind of defeating people and we're really scrappy. And I love all of that. But I think I just want people to understand that the reason why we're not leaving and a lot of us are staying to fight is because we are just so proud that we've been so determined to keep our sovereignty we are we refuse to go easily we refuse to let that go because that to us mm. is important we don't want to be swallowed up by a huge country again definitely important and i i just as i i always say that the uk is just a tiny little island if someone wanted to invade England, I don't think they would just be like, okay, and just walk off. They would fight back. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's very proud of their heritage and don't want that to be kind of just, you know, completely eradicated. It is yeah. important to keep your heritage in terms of history and teaching your children. It's like, that's what life is about, yeah. preserving, preserving you and being and able to hand that down. And that's the thing with kind of preserving those stories and legacies, because everybody mm. has stories within their families. And I think if people want to find out more about Ukrainians and our stories, they need to really like dig for literature, dig for Ukrainian history, go listen to our music, like go find, educate yourself on, on who we are. You guys would say the same about your heritages, you know, Definitely. you would say like, listen, don't ask, don't just ask me, reach out to loads of, there are so many creatives out there that are just, mm -hmm. that have been waiting, you know, to have a moment where they're like, yes, this is who we are. This is, you know, our, our native dress. This is, you know, I mean, I think obviously I'm biased. I think it's like really fascinating kind of the country that we come from and it's really kind of 
mythical in a lot of ways and we have beautiful stories and we have amazing music and stuff but I, I am the representative for words and creatives and art but like you want history go find somebody we are waiting to educate yeah. people you know now yeah. now is the time because honestly mm. this this isn't just going to be a flash in the pan obviously and and sadly it has to take a moment like this where it changes the world Definitely. You know, there are so many protests right now happening in all these countries. It is extraordinary. People are wrapping themselves in Ukrainian flags. There are thousands upon thousands of people who are shouting glory to Ukraine. And, you know, it's just, it's, it just gives me chills. It's you use the word mythical when you were talking about Ukrainian history. And I was doing a little bit of research because I've, I've just, I've never understood any of this background up until like a few days ago and when yeah. I just started looking into it there it, it's it's almost like when I was um, researching reading up on it it was like reading a book like a work of fiction like somebody has written this like going back into the hundreds and hundreds right. of years of history like it was just blowing my mind and I got so immersed in it and I was doing it and I was supposed to be working I was like like I hope they're not like watching me through the through the camera because I was totally just <laughs> in understanding more about what Ukrainian people have done and been through and overcome and all of that kind of thing yeah it's fascinating absolutely fascinating and I because of that I totally understand why people are choosing to stay and fight rather than run to safety I, I, I totally get that and I like total respect as well I just want to say that Oh. In terms of like history, this is why I wanted you specifically on the show because it's like you've got your bu your book Motherland. Hmm. In terms of preserving your history and your stories, for instance, Motherland, you've you've written about your grandmother and her story and immigrant. It's not just kind of a textbook. This is the history. This is it. Read it. Authors like you and artists will share their stories. And I think it's so important to share the stories from from you, from your heart, because it means something. And I think when you're sharing stuff like that, that's how you get a connection rather than. Yeah, this is what happened in X, Y, Z time. And this is why this happens. There's no sort of relatability around that so again this no. is why i wanted to mention the book because stories yeah. like yours are so important and well, people uh, can relate it makes it more human almost well, and this is my this is my message this is my kind of broader kind of macro view on all of this like i keep saying we are not a statistic we are not tanks we're not guns we're not like a history book we are humans behind the headlines and when in moments of despair and the war like and the world's on fire we turn to art because we want to feel we don't turn to history books necessarily maybe some do but like yeah. we watch movies on it we listen to music about it like we we want to understand who these people are so you know, when it comes to Ukraine, actually really good uh, ways to understand um, a little bit about it is there's a movie called Mr. Jones that was came out about, I think, a couple of years ago or three years ago. Um, it has kind of a famous cast, um, but it was made about how a, an English reporter uncovered the Holodomor, which is the um, Ukrainian genocide, the Holocaust, where Stalin starved six million Ukrainians. 
Um, mm. And that was in the 1930s. Um, so that's called Mr. Jones. And then another film, actually, that uh, oddly, Sean Penn has been pushing because he he apparently is doing a documentary about Ukraine. Uh, I just read. Um, oh, does he have the Ukrainian heritage? I don't think so. <laughs> but listen, just an interest. Just an any, interest. <laughs> but. He was the one that told all the streaming platforms, please push this movie, Winter on Fire. That is on Netflix, and that is about the revolution on the Maidan in 2014 that happened. So the battle for, and that was KUV, that was in Kiev. Those are things that people can find and watch because they're not old, kind of boring things. Mm. They are really Mm. modern and interesting perspectives on Ukraine and and kind of Mm. who we are and why we Mm. fight the way we fight. We're definitely lucky in that sense because, like you said, social media and actually seeing things for what they are. And I was just saying earlier before you joined that I don't necessarily watch a lot of news um, because sometimes I don't necessarily trust the news. Yeah. Just because certain stations, as you know, push a certain narrative. They have their, their own agendas. And it's just really... I think it's really important to do your own research, but to also find out where that source is coming from and make sure mm. it's trustworthy. Because again, in terms of social media, people are sharing things that aren't necessarily connected with this. They're sharing yep. things that aren't true. And as I said, Russia aren't even on the radar in terms of social media. So yeah. again, we're really lucky in the sense that we're in this day and age where we are seeing the truth and i think that's just really important yeah be critical i mean i saw a video and it was it was so obviously not a recent video i think and it it wasn't even set in the ukraine the backdrop was not even ukraine and it um it was touted as being the ukrainians are fine they're they're just staging all of this (sighs) look at them um, running towards the camera um, just to, so, to, to make you think that they're all panicked and then the camera like someone says cut and then they just walk casually away That's and awful. it turns out it was actually filming in Birmingham oh, um, years ago for some oh, production my. that they were doing but like, why would why would anyone t- t- twist that into making it about the Ukraine I, I just don't understand there's, there's so many different agendas that are being pushed and we just have to be so critical of everything that's yeah, presented Yeah, absolutely. To us. Because people will use the opportunity of anything that's newsworthy and, and you know, try and get attention for themselves for whatever mm. reason. I, you know, it's human mm. nature to go, yeah, but look at me. But thinking about that and um, all of the three of us are mothers and um, obviously with you, you, it's very, very close to home and you're having to talk to your kids about what's going on and reassure them. But we are having kids who are hearing this, um, like, for example, mine, um, we were in the supermarket the other day and there was a picture of that the teacher who had been just like she had bandage on her head, she had blood yeah. all over her face. And um, and my daughter was like, oh, oh, oh is World War Three going to happen? Like, it looks like it's, it's going to happen. Like, are, are we okay? And I was trying my best to reassure her. But what what do we say? What can we say? And what have you said to your children to to make them feel a little bit more comforted that they're going to be okay? 
I mean, I, I, we do not let the kids watch the news, um, mm. even though they're 12, 10, and 8. Um, we talk to them about what's going on in the world. Now, because, especially in America, um, you don't really know what, you know, how, what agenda, like you said, like what, what's kind of going to come out. And, and a lot of times, because war makes headlines, unfortunately, you know, I don't want them to see it as an uh, us versus them narrative. So we did explain to them about what's happening. And, um, you know, because they were very close to Baba Yulia and uh, they, you know, we have a Ukrainian household. We have traditions still. We have, you know, they hear me speak the language. They, so they're curious. So I said, well, listen, you know, it's not about Ukraine versus Russia. It's about the fact that there is a country right now that is trying to take over another country. And they think that war is the best way when actually, you know, there should be more talking. There should be more listening in the world. They should, you know, so... I think people should be very careful about whether they talk about it like, um, you know, Russia is attacking the world and it's going to be World War III. We don't know what's mm. about to happen. He's threatening nuclear war right now, but I think it's a bluff. Uh, you know, I think mm. they're saying that they're going to have chats, um, you know, to see if they can resolve this. But so... If they ask, I think you give them, you know, limited but true information saying, yes, there is a country called Ukraine and their people are very proud of that country. And there is a much bigger country next door, which it used to be a part of. And now it wants it back, you know, mm. and and the mm. and the people there don't want to leave their homes because they love their country and they just want to make sure that there is no war. That's the way I think. And I think especially adults as well, but especially with children, you have to explain the humans behind mm. these decisions because that's what kids understand. So my 10 year old said, why would somebody do that? It's basically bullying. I said, yes, you're right. You know, and unfortunately adults tend to bully each other, not just kids, but, <laughs> but when countries do it, you know, they do it with guns and military sometimes and lots of money and power and it's really upsetting and it's probably unnecessary. So, mm. you know. Have you been watching the news? Yes. I haven't stopped. <laughs> I am, cannot take a break. I'm literally like all the time. It's funny. CNN goes on in the background and I'm writing a couple of articles right now. And it's like a newsroom, you know, it's really quite funny. But because I have such a personal connection, I've been nonstop glued to every bit of coverage that I can. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I love the fact that I have connections, um, Oh, my family's out west. They're okay for now. Okay. Um, but um, my <clears throat> um, writing connections, I'm connected to a few war correspondents um, and journalists and okay. um, people who are like, you know, so I trust them. So mm. they're doing updates and I'm seeing all the cell phone footage. I'm lucky that I can kind of filter out the noise or the doctored stuff because I can trust mm. where I'm getting it from. So I'm just kind yeah. of pie yeah. piecing all this together. But I think, honestly, I think... The reason why I won't stop is because this is a moment for us to be heard and seen. Yeah. And uh, it's not just about war. It's a much bigger thing, you know. And Putin's agenda has nothing to do with Ukraine. It's a much bigger plan for him. But you know what? Mm -hmm. If you're going to get Ukraine involved, then let's all amplify. 
you know, and, that, yeah. and that's what I think. Well, you want to attack us? Well, then we're going to flood all of the channels with our voices, with our ideas, with our passion, you know, and that's the thing that will create this legacy. People like me who didn't really know what was going on before, this situation has been an eye-opener for sure because we definitely know now all of the history and how this started and behind the scenes. It's like when I've had conversations with my partner about this, he's glued. Like you said, um, yeah. put the news on in the background. He's got the um, radio on and listening to it in the car and going back and forth and updating me. And every time I have a question he can't just answer that with a simple well this is why this is happening because there's so many other branches of why this happened and this is happening because this and it's just it kind of goes off on a tangent because it's got so many layers it's not just yeah. one person well this is why he's like this it really isn't and it's it's just i don't know i'm still like shocked that something like this can happen in 2022 especially yeah. after going through obviously covid it's nothing i can't compare it but it's just but, like we saw this as a reset didn't yeah. we? we that was meant to be a reset it's meant new beginnings but it really no isn't. but you know what i personally think and this is just my opinion but i honestly think that somebody like putin uh took this as the perfect moment because we are mm. all tired we are all tired after living through what we've lived through, all of us collectively for two years. And of course, you know, Ukraine is always seen as this kind of small like country that, you know, yeah, we don't have much, but we, you know, we're happy with what we have. So he's like, right, well, I'm just going to go in and just use this as an opportunity to kind of show my power because for whatever reason. And I think that's why I, I am so hell-bent on educating. If people ask me questions, I'm going to answer. I've slept very little in the la this, la this week. Um, and I'm, I'm keeping my focus on this because I, I'm not, you know, it's so complicated and nuanced to, for people to understand what they're reading and how to find information. Come to me. Or hmm. any any other Ukrainians who are, you know, writers especially, but there are Ukrainian chefs that are really kind of clued in. Look on TikTok is having a huge moment. Yes. On this, yes. you know, on this situation, which is amazing. I'm not on TikTok, so you know, I, I I'm not going to capitulate on like I'm not going to suddenly set up TikTok just. <laughs> just because of this but i'm saying we can like, leave it to the tiktokers it's fine re exactly like reach out and ask me questions or somebody just you know i mean some people are really tired and i get it and they don't have the bandwidth mm. so maybe you know um you know i was gonna say you'll know what that's like when when people <laughs> reach out to you going come and teach me teach me <laughs> explain to me you're like you know uh, there's gotta, I'm, I'm, I've had enough yeah. now, you know, but yeah. so, so maybe, you know, people need to be mindful of that, but I am, you know, it's just, it's amazing yeah. and also per perverse that people have to get to this point in order to learn about a country and a people, but mm. you know, that's the world we live in right I now. I hear that. Mm. And that's the thing as well. For me, it's just like, well, I don't really know what to say. How do I approach this? And I guess, well, for me, I just reached out to you and was like, I hope you're okay. Is there anything Which I can is do? Which is amazing. Yeah. 
And that's all, and that's all we, and that's all we need. That's just knowing that people see us and hear us and are kind of standing there going, listen, I'm doing what I can. And you Mm. don't even have to, you know, say much, just say I'm here. Mm. And that's wonderful. Mm. And that's Mm. knowing that is really kind of pushes me and people like me forward. You mentioned TikTok and we've all seen that there've been lots of memes shared and some of them have not been very well received. Um, Some of them have tried to make light of the situation. But do you think that there is a place for memes and communicating in that kind of way? Is there any way that we can make that information beneficial in spreading knowledge? uh, Well, I think informative memes are really helpful Mm. about the parallels Mm. between Putin and Hitler. There's, there's been, you know, when it comes to like lighter stuff, comedic stuff, there are some that are actually really making me smile. And, and I think it's making a lot of us kind of realize the light in this darkness. So, you know, it, so I saw one today that, oh my God, it's so good. It was, uh, somebody put this together and it had a, it was like a phone call and, and Putin was on one line and Zelensky was on the other. And, and Zelensky goes, hey, Vlad, I have a joke for you. He goes, knock, knock, who's there? And, and uh, Zelensky goes, cave. And Putin goes, I don't get it. And, uh, and, he go, and Zelensky responds with, yeah, and you never will, bitch. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, I like that one. Yeah. I like that one. So, we'll have to share that one. <laughs> so, it's, 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 so sometimes, like, you don't want to make it us versus them, but sometimes we are yeah. so, there are people who are like discovering how dirty we can fight. Meanwhile, they <laughs> thought of us, they, and this is the thing, you know, you can underestimate somebody and then everybody's amazed going, God, you really don't, you just don't mess with these people. And that's why people <laughs> are making memes like this going, Zelensky, a lot of people didn't like him and, and didn't vote for him because he was a comedian. So when he got into office, People were like, mm, not sure about this guy. Now he is showing every world leader how to behave. It's mm. incredible. I mean, Boris Johnson sat there with his like hair looking like an exploded sofa and sitting there going <laughs> like, yeah, this is, you know, um, so this is amazing and we'll do whatever we can. I'm like, anybody who doesn't like respond to how Zelensky's is like being amazing just is a jerk because everyone Mm. should turn to that guy and go, that's how to stand with your people. And I guess in terms of like politicians, I know there's quite a lot of people that, um, was, is, is is it Kiev, um, the mayor, was he an ex boxer or something like that? Oh, Klitschko. Yeah. Yes. The Klitschko Klitschko brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I had to bring it back to Arnold Schwarzenegger in terms of um, when Danny told me because I was like, oh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger is like, yeah, he was an actor. And but it's like, in terms of those people, I think it's kind of better because they understand because they were part of the community. They're real people. They didn't just go to like, you know, like our government private school and don't actually understand the community or anyone. Yeah comes from any other place like that so i think it's actually quite important for people in government to have actually experienced real life it's yeah. so important yeah so of I, course. yeah i'm quite i think it's quite fascinating that he was it's like, great yeah. he's there with like the, the 
the Klitschko brothers are boxers and they're there with like full army gear and they're like, come yeah. on, we are here. Come on and get us. <laughs> like, what? This is amazing. It's amazing. It's so oh. grassroots. It's just yes. like, you know, we're not, we were always seen as these dumb gold tooth farmers. And like I said, nannies and <laughs> prostitutes and rent to brides. And, and now people are going, I want to find out who these people are. I'm like, mm. yes, exactly. This week, our special guest is Tetiana Denford, a Ukrainian-American author, translator, and freelance writer. She grew up with her Ukrainian heritage at the forefront of her childhood, and it led to her being fascinated with how storytellers in various cultures pass down their lives to future generations. Her debut novel, Motherhood, was published in March 2020 to critical success and long-listed for the Bleeders Digest self-published book awards. It was based on an incredible family secret that was revealed by her maternal grandmother, Julia. Only recently has been described by people as haunting, powerful, and devastating and a fragile and hopeful story of an immigrant family. Her current series of conversation books, collections of poetry and prose about grief, motherhood, and love were published in 2021. Tatiana also hosts a show called The Craft and Business of Books that helps writers understand both the creative side and the business side of the book world. If you'd like to check that out, it's available on YouTube. Check out Tetiana's website, tetianadedford.com. She's also on Instagram, instagram.com, Tetiana Writes. This is our segment called Words of Advice. And for this segment, we just wanted to, um, well, obviously give advice. But in terms of things we've seen on social media and donations, how would we support Ukrainians at this time? Are there official donation sites? Um, what can we do? Yeah. So, um, first of all, I think the best thing to do, like, even if you cannot donate is find people where that are, you know, any kind of creatives right now to like support them. So share, um, share their work, um, you know, get people to just keep talking about, like I said, the humans behind the headlines. We are, we are really humble, so we won't push it ourselves necessarily. So having people ask questions and read our books and like listen to our music and understand the history of who we are. Um, so that helps. So the amplification we need, that is the first thing you can do. And it doesn't cost anything apart from time. And then the, the legit um, donation sites. Um, and I found this through my friend, Josef Stashko. He runs a company in London called Panko Candles. It's P-A-N-K-O candles. Um, and um, he has a list of donation sites, but also he makes really cool stuff. Um, and he's Ukrainian, but he lives in London. Donation sites, um, I would go to Ukrainian Crisis Relief Fund, and that's on globalgiving.org. There's Save the Children Ukraine, United Help Ukraine, and there's also the Sunflower of Peace. And all of these um, just they help donate medicine and supplies and clothes. You can donate money. Um, you know, I think there are organizations within the UK that are now trying to collect, you know, um, baby food and nappies. I think I, I don't know of, I, I can't give you links on that because I'm not sure, but I, I hear people talking about that. So um, I think everywhere, if you look up, you know, there's going to be lots of charities, but those are definitely verified, really good charities that are worth Fantastic. supporting. 
Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. I'll be sure to um, include all of those on our blog and within the um, description for our um, podcast. So um, cool. don't worry, C, you don't need to keep on writing. I'll um, put that in there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely, as I said before, um, people need to do their research, make sure they are official because, you know, we don't know. Yeah where these things may end no, up. No, exactly. I don't want to be cynical, but um, if I'm sending something, I want to make sure it's going to end up in the right hands. 100%. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. You're listening to the Women Who Rebrand podcast. Honest and humorous conversations all about the natural and individual transitional phases people experience to grow, start over, or rebrand to become their most authentic selves. Hosted by former mummy bloggers Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olalei and guest featuring professional rebranders. You can find us on Instagram at Women Rebranded. We are obviously showing support um, and solidarity for our European brothers and sisters. So thank you so much, so much, Tatiana, for sharing your story. But mm. for making us more yeah. aware and um, dropping some educational wisdom. Um, I am I'm always here to talk and educate, but also I just love, you know what I'm like, I love chatting about important stories. And right now, this is one of the most, if not the most important story right now about who we are as a people. So I really mm. appreciate having the platform to do that. Thank you Anytime. so much. Thanks. And you are more than welcome to come back. We will definitely have you back because yes. um, you've written Three more books since we spoke yes. to you last time. Yes. I, just can't, I don't understand uh, how you do that. I, um, <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> Thank you so much. And Thank I can't you. wait to speak to you again. And okay. you've been a pleasure. Take care and be kind to yourself. I will. Thank yeah, you, Yeah, maybe get a little bit of sleep. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Take you. Care. Bye, Liz. Women Who Rebrand was brought to you by Sarita Fontaine and Chioma Olalea. If you like what you've heard and you want to hear us again, don't forget to subscribe or follow wherever you usually catch your podcasts. We're available on all streaming platforms, including Google Podcasts, Spotify and Breaker.